0: You're tuned Into Tomorrow, right here on the Advanced Media Network.
1: This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com.
2: Welcome, Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline.
0: For the weekend of Friday, April 29th, 2022, you're tuned into tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And you know, this is our 27th year on the air, bringing you the latest in cool consumer tech. And of course, that always includes things like gadgets and gizmos and products and services, all sorts of things available today and into tomorrow. And as I've said many times and will always say, you, yes, you, our audience, our listeners, make the show. Your calls, your participation, your help for other listeners, yes, even your tech rage is really what it's all about. We want to hear you on the air and send you goodies For participating. We got some goodies again this week to share with you. We do. do? Some new stuff. New stuff. So do stay tuned because we'll share those things with you very shortly. Meantime, lots of big tech news this week and commentary, including IFA, the first full-on, full-scale tech experience of 2022, officially announcing this week that the show will go on in person in Berlin in September, all the ins. So what you're saying is tech is back? Yes, it is. And some might say it never left, but it's certainly back with IFA. Well, it wasn't really back at CES. That's true. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> it was It was roll a cannonball down empty aisles. And they even cut a day short. It's only a four-day show. They cut it to three
1: days because nobody was there. And well, some of the booths, tech was only there represented by QR codes.
0: Yes, well, oh, that was that was really fun. Big giant spaces there, like LG, uh, doing nothing for anybody but putting QR codes on blocks of wood every few feet. So yeah, scan here if you want to learn about this TV. You know. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even have any TVs <laughs> yeah. or any product showing, just blocks of wood. Well, that was the stupidest thing ever. But hey, what the heck? That won't happen at IFA. Right. And, of course, the bigger news this week is, uh, you know, Elon bought the bird. Well, you know, (laughs) you, too, can mold an anti-social media platform into the the image that you have for it. All you need is roughly $44 billion. Yeah, well, it's just a little thing. Yeah. And, of course, as you mentioned, Twitter officially signed an agreement to be acquired by an entity wholly owned by mega-entrepreneur Elon Musk with the transaction valued at about $44 billion, or $54.20 per share in cash. That's a lot of armored cars backing up. Yeah, Twitter CEO Parak uh, <laughs> Agrawal didn't have many concrete answers for staff uh, as they were crying and boo-hooing and so forth as to what will happen once Musk takes over the company later this year. He says, layoffs aren't planned, quote, at this time, unquote. He said, according to a person uh, who heard the remarks and who asked to remain anonymous. So they've reported on that. Several people recorded it. What? Agrawal also said that he'd remain as CEO until the deals close. And Musk fires him. (laughs) Yeah, but he didn't comment about what would happen after that. Which I thought was kind of interesting because the same Twitter CEO told employees in, in the company in a company-wide town hall or some goofy thing that he's in the dark over the future of Twitter under Musk. Right, and they started crying and carrying on. Even the, the lead attorney, the senior attorney at Twitter, was bawling her eyes out. What are we going to do? It's like, oh, my God. You know, this none of that would have been a problem had they just left it as a free speech, open platform. You don't agree with somebody? Tell them you don't agree or just delete them or move on. Yeah. You, If you have a life, move on. But no, they couldn't do that. They had to just de-platform a bunch of people and suspend a bunch of us. <laughs> and my gosh when they when they remove the Babylon Bee, which is a parody comedy site I mean of course no sense of humor they have no sense of humor they, you know you try to suggest they look that up in the dictionary they don't even know how to look up a dictionary but that's a, that's a problem too and why is that so without getting political because if you know the reasons And it's really down to free speech and not censoring everything. Yeah, I know you can't yell fire in a theater, so it's you know, it's not everything free speech. Okay, but common sense, please. You can't
1: yell freedom on Twitter. Yeah, apparently
0: not. (laughs) That's a good point. Oh my gosh, good analogy. So there you go. So it's it's hurry up and wait now. To I I posted on Twitter, fly little birdie, fly.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Elon, for bringing free speech to Twitter. Of course, you know what I also found weird is that uh, the former CEO Jack and founder Jack Dorsey was basically saying that Elon's the only person, single person, he trusts. He to is, bring that back. He has been brown
0: nosing Elon Musk since Elon even hinted that he might buy Twitter. I mean, I I think he, you know, that's the ZZ Top wannabe guy, right? At Jack. Uh, Just Jack. Um, That he's been just, you know, talking about all these kind of things. I think he just wants to be CEO again. Because Elon's not going to be CEO. He's got enough to do with flying rocket ships and building electric vehicles and and boring people. His tunnel company, boring. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't think he's going to be CEO. Although Jack Dorsey's been a little busy, too. In fact, um, he's got a new title at his his other company that he founded, and I don't think it could be any more fitting. His new title? Blockhead. Blockhead? Blockhead. Really? (laughs) It's not an opinion? It's his (laughs) title? that's his actual official title now. A regulatory disclosure from digital payments company Block says that its co-founder Dorsey is changing his role from Block's CEO, president, and chairperson to, quote, Blockhead and chairperson. Now, this is the same company that was Square? This was Square, He found, which he founded in, in in 2009. And they changed their name to Block? Yeah, as a way of uh, reflecting its growth to encompass the title Music Streaming Service and Cash App. Oh, boy. Um, but, you know, they say the change is effective immediately, and according to the filing, it's a, it's a semantic change only, and there, quote, will be no changes in Mr. Dorsey's roles and responsibilities. Mm, I see. Just <laughs> so his title, yeah. Blockhead. But he's now officially a Blockhead. Uh, I I don't see how he
0: would like that, but he's apparently excited about it. Wait, did he tweet that? Probably. He hasn't been kicked (laughs) off of Twitter? Not yet. Saying nice things about (laughs) Elon? Yeah. Now, here's the part that I find fascinating, though. Uh, There have been many reports that Twitter has been basically locked down so that any rogue employee can't go in and change code and, and that sort of thing, which I find very interesting because who's doing the lockdown? Perhaps some rogue employees? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But if that was, understandably, Elon's not a stupid guy. Understandably, I'm sure that was part of the sale deal, is that, okay, now nothing better change in terms of of the operation and algorithms and so forth. Although it's interesting because suddenly many who had been deplatformed are back on again. Mm-hmm. Like that, poof, suddenly. And and the change hasn't even really taken effect No, no, just that, in fact, the sale hasn't gone through at all. Because it still has to be approved by the shareholders who are willing to share their shares, to sell their shares. (laughs) (laughs) Although if they want to share them, they can send me some, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have any shares in Twitter, so I don't care. But that's interesting to me. Just like uh, people have been reporting that they're losing of fans or followers on Twitter to the tune of like 300,000 for Barack Obama. Well, that's because they're shutting down the bots. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they claim, no, 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 these are actually ergonomic, real or, people. Or organic. What did I say? Or, ergonomic. <laughs> well, because they're sitting upright in the chair. I, I see. When yeah. they do that. <laughs> uh, they are <laughs> organic humans, allegedly, and not bots. But who knows? So we shall see. And and yet others, I might add, on the conservative side of things, are gaining followers like crazy. So it's an interesting time in the anti-social media world, is it not? It is. In other tech news, Elon Musk's tunnel company I mentioned earlier, the Boring Company, has hit a $5.6 billion valuation. He's boring tunnels all over the world, but a lot of them here in the U.S. I think he's got plans here in Miami and and up the road in Fort Lauderdale and all sorts of bids going on and, and work being done. So this guy's busy. Yeah. Maybe he'll bury Twitter. I don't know. Maybe otherwise I think you he should rename it. I love the name that you came up for. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to tweet the very first day when the announcement was made last week. First I said, Yes, exclamation point. Then I said, I think Elon should change the name of Twitter to MySpaceX. I think it's perfect. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people comment that what a great idea. Oh my God, please, Elon, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I think that would be wild. My yeah. X, Because <laughs> we always kid around if
1: MySpace is even still around. I think it is somewhere. So, <laughs> so, no, I don't but know anybody on it. But it's funny because the floodgates have been open and now there's so many other companies that everybody is saying, please, Elon, buy, buy MTV and make them put music videos back on. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah that's true. A lot of people are saying Somebody said, buy McDonald's and fix all the ice cream machines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of that and more to come, no doubt. Yeah. But I'm interested to see how things develop. Yeah. And I really hope they do lock down the code so that people aren't in there able to do nefarious things like they've been doing the last few years. When, by the way, Twitter's stock hasn't been worth anything, really. Yeah. They haven't made any money in a decade. <laughs> So this is a good thing for people who have owned Twitter stock. Do I wish I had a bunch now to be selling for fifty four twenty a share? Heck, yeah. Mm-hmm. But because we try to maintain some sense of objectivity, I never buy any tech stocks. Never have in the 27 years we've been doing the show. Because I want to be able to slam companies as, as well as commend and condemn them as we deem appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, nope. Nobody can say there's a hidden agenda with, oh, sure, because he owns a bunch of stocks. That's
1: why he thinks it's a good thing. But no, not here. Well, you own stock in our company. Yeah. You own all the stock. All all of it. (laughs) Google users apparently will now be flagged for using what the search giant feels are incorrect words uh, while searching as they launched an inclusive language function. So in other words, you go on Google and you search for something. Right.
0: If you use a word that they don't agree with, They're going to interfere
1: and suggest you change that word. And and same thing in in Google Docs, if you're typing words out. uh, The move uh, of Google is to avoid the use of politically incorrect words. If a user user uses terms deemed politically incorrect by Google, a message pops up that reads, quote, Inclusive warning. Some of these words may not be inclusive to all readers. Consider using different words. For example, so if what, like if you search something about mankind, is it going to jump in and say person kind? Well, I think or- this is more for 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 um, you know the Google Doc kind of thing. So gender specific terms such as policeman or housewife will be uh, suggest replacements of police officers and stay at home spouse. Oh, uh, this is according to a new Google Document style program, which is now being rolled out to what the firm calls enterprise level users. Users who use the word landlord will be given a suggestion to use the more gender-sensitive property owner or proprietor. Likewise, mankind is suggested to be replaced with humankind. You know, I I have to ask our audience, how do you
0: feel about this kind of stuff? Has, Has it gone way overboard like I think it has? I mean, enough already. Political correctness, okay, fine. You know, there's a few things you don't want to say in mixed company, perhaps, although even that's debatable these days, because how do you know, right? Uh, Whatever. But come on. Seriously? You can't say landlord? I mean, you can't say policeman? I mean, I've always said, since I was a police officer, I've always used that term. And it's not so much to be more inclusive, but because I try not to use cop. I just think that that's harsh. And I always preferred police officer anyway, whether it be a male or female officer and so forth. That's inclusive long before the woke culture decided that that's the term to use. But I really wonder if our audience feels that this is just getting
1: more and more ridiculous. Of course. You know, then again, the word human is man, So you know, we have to change is that to Hugh person. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised
0: yeah. if Google and others would pop up and say, perhaps you want to consider using another word. Do we have the option of saying, perhaps you want to shut up? Yeah.
1: We'll perhaps just... you want to get out of my document. Perhaps I'll want to use, dare I say it, Bing? <laughs> oh, Are they still around? I, maybe. I'll have to Bing it.
0: <laughs> I think you, you should look into that because we don't know whether they're around or not. And you really probably should look them up. Yeah, I think I'm sure Bing is still around. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure. I, don't I miss my Alta Vista. Yeah. Now, they're not around, anyway. They're are they? around. Oh, so you so want to go to Yahoo and search <laughs> Bing to ask about Google.
1: Right. All right good luck with that.
0: I yeah. want to remind you, by the way, we're coming to you for the Dexcom G6 Studios. Make knowledge your superpower. For managing diabetes, be sure to visit dot com. That's Dexcom.com. Dan in Wilmington, Delaware listens on WDEL. Welcome into tomorrow, Dan.
2: I'm looking for a new either laptop or Chromebook. Trying to decide which would be the best option for moderate home activity spreadsheets. A little bit of word document specifically for my father. He's late 70s and not too tech savvy but i'd like to find something easy for him to use that keeps him stimulated but not as complicated as perhaps a pc any recommendations that would be good for somebody who's a senior citizen nowadays everything is email and unfortunately his phone is too small for him to, to use the wordy keyboard.
0: Ah. Well, Dan, first of all, commending you for helping take care of your dad like that. I hope by the time I'm in my late 70s, because of all these years hosting the tech show, that I continue to be at least somewhat tech savvy. I'll probably be more frustrated with tech by then. But I can understand his concern. But if you want something that's not as complicated as a PC, then, of course, a laptop, is automatically out. A laptop is just a portable PC as opposed to a desktop stationary PC. Now, a Chromebook would definitely be a much easier option for him. It would restrict him to mainly using a browser, which should be enough for text editing and spreadsheets, but he won't be able to open standalone Word, for example. He'll have to go to Microsoft's site to use the online version of it. The same goes for spreadsheeting. He can use Excel or a competitor like Google Sheets, and they'll probably correct his verbiage, uh, but would be something
1: online rather than the full Excel interface. Yeah, and if the only problem with his phone is that the keyboard's too small, but otherwise his needs would be met by the phone, uh, then a tablet might be an option for him, too. Uh, they're bigger if he wants to use the screen. They're simpler than a full laptop, but more powerful and versatile than a Chromebook. And it's possible to connect a keyboard to them to make typing easier for him. True. Um, now, in terms of pricing, the ranges are so wide that you can find a cheap version of any of those devices and an extremely expensive version of any of those devices. So this will really mostly come down to personal preference and what you think he'd prefer. Dan, do let us know as well because
0: we do love it when listeners follow up with us. Into tomorrow.com, let's meet there.
1: Welcome back, Into Tomorrow. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting, with a new intuitive dashboard and stats system that now gives podcasters unparalleled insights into their podcast growth. Start your free trial now. Go to blubrry.com. Stay tuned. We'll be chatting soon with Dave Cooper. He's the Senior Vice President of Edge Computing with Lumen Technologies. He's going to tell us how Edge Computing can help organizations innovate faster and give customers a better user experience.
0: If you have to sit all day, it's important to try to do it correctly with this week's Into Tomorrow Wellness tip brought to you by Human Touch. Here's Victoria Ladock. Thanks, Dave. Proper posture keeps bones and joints in the correct alignment, so muscles can be used properly. Here are some tips to finding a good seated position. Draw yourself up and accentuate the curve of your back as far as possible. Hold for a few seconds, then release the position slightly, about ten degrees. Distribute your body weight evenly on both hips. Bend your knees at a right angle and keep them even or slightly higher than your hips. Use a footrest if necessary. Keep both feet flat on the floor and don't cross your legs. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Victoria
1: Ladakh. Back to you, Dave.
0: Thank you, Victoria. The Into Tomorrow Wellness Tip is brought to you by Human Touch. For products that help you recover, revitalize, and relax every day, visit humantouch.com and intotomorrow.com. Welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. Now in our 27th year, bringing you the latest in cool consumer tech, including things like uh, products, gadgets, gizmos, software, hardware, apps, all sorts of neat stuff involving technology. And of course, you make the broadcast with your calls, your questions, your help for other listeners. Even your tech rage is always welcome on the program because again, you and your participation make the broadcast. So we want to hear from you. The best way, of course, is to pick up the phone and dial us anytime at your convenience, twenty four seven, eight hundred eight nine nine. Into, 800-899-4686, or you can use the free Into Tomorrow app and just mash that button that says Message the Studio, again, anytime at your convenience. Or another new way that has a lot of folks participating, visit our website anytime at your convenience on any device with a browser and a microphone, and click on the Ask Dave mic, little red microphone on the lower right. Of your browser at com. Our next guest is here to tell us how edge computing can help organizations innovate faster and give customers a better user experience. The Senior Vice President of Edge Computing with Lumen Technologies is Dave Cooper. Dave, welcome into tomorrow. How are you?
3: Great great thanks for having me dave
0: it's a pleasure to have you first of all, tell us what is edge computing because I think a lot of folks listening are thinking, "Gee, I thought that was like a company name or but what is it
3: it's a phenomenon that's for sure well <laughs> edge computing is a is about delivering the power of compute data closer to where digital interactions occur and you know listeners may wonder what's a digital interaction and it includes everything from interacting with your favorite game or how robotics are controlled to build your new car and the experiences you're having within a retail store you know all of this compute power has been key a key enabler to innovation especially after, over the last decade with the public cloud and Edge computing is bringing that power even closer to people and devices.
0: I like to think of it, Dave, as as, uh, sitting on the edge of your seat, perhaps, while computing, because it is exciting. It is about innovation and doing some unique things. Uh, So now, of course, I'm curious about how does it benefit businesses and consumers alike?
3: Well, the the key is innovation. You know, in, in this day of age with businesses doing everything they can, leveraging technology, uh, to innovate and, and provide better enhanced experiences for the customer, uh, you and me in, in our retail stores or in products or services, uh, innovation is absolutely critical. And that compute power has really uh, uh, unleashed the ability uh, for, for you know enterprises, businesses, small, medium or large, to be able to get out there and bring those new services and capabilities to market. Uh, and edge computing is, is essentially driving that forward to the next level, being able to, to provide uh, interactions and experiences that aren't possible, uh, or at least perform at their best in the public cloud or the centralized cloud. And it provides those experiences that many of which uh, we may take for granted by you know simply walking into a store and, and seeing these capabilities happen, these personalized digital experiences happening uh, all being you know, accelerated through the use of edge computing technology.
0: And Dave, I'm glad you mentioned cloud, because I think a lot of listeners uh, are in my head saying, well, what's the difference then between cloud computing and edge computing? Because they sound very similar.
3: They do. They do. Well, you can think of edge as part of that overall cloud computing ecosystem. You know, today, that public cloud, and it's a centralized data center that sits somewhere in the United States, uh, you know, normally where places are, are low cost for power and cooling and what have you because of these massive, massive amounts of amounts of servers and, and, and storage. Uh, and edge computing essentially shifts that data processing uh, from those centralized locations to the network edge where people and devices interact. And that minimizes the latency, maximizes that application performance. So it sits into that same cloud ecosystem. But what I like to say is it completes the, the public cloud.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that, that helps to narrow it down, I think. One of the fascinating things that that I've learned from your website is talking about that a lot of folks say more than 50% that in five years their most mission-critical application will require five milliseconds or less to react, I mean, my gosh, you know, we're we're always after more speed, more bandwidth, more everything, and we're never satisfied. But five milliseconds or less for mission mission critical apps is very interesting.
3: It is, and 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 like you said, Dave, faster is better. And and it, in, in terms of computing and and the ability to take advantage of you know technology like artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, All these IoT data sensors that are being deployed into various uh, places uh, throughout our, you know, everywhere we walk into and and manufacturing facilities and and healthcare uh, facilities and what have you, all of this is is enabled better by um, faster speeds, lower latency. Uh, And and edge computing is enabling that. And and as you, you know, as you see from that survey, uh, I think uh, many folks within the the enterprises uh, in the industry are looking to innovate using, uh, you know, platforms that are able to provide them this type of performance.
0: I'm wondering then if you could give us some more examples of maybe the kinds of industries that are implementing edge technology and why they're doing it.
3: Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about retail and I'll just, you know, expand on retail a bit okay. uh, because it's, it's, it, you know, it's pretty straightforward to many folks who walk into the retail establishments that are out, that are that are out there today, uh, you know, walking in, being able to to have personalized digital marketing experiences, understanding, uh, you know, foods or products or other services that are specifically catered to them, um, and even things such as contactless checkout, uh, the ability to be able to to not just self-checkout, but actually walk in and walk out with with products uh, without necessarily having to stand in line like we've traditionally done. Um, those capabilities, those are all enabled through the use of of edge computing. Uh, another one is is manufacturing, and, and manufacturing is is long has long since used technology to improve productivity and, and improve quality. Uh, and with those technologies like artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, uh, manufacturing is starting to use things such as predictive maintenance, mm-hmm. the ability to be able to proactively uh, determine if a component's going to fail in the manufacturing line and then schedule for it to be replaced. Uh, that's an amazing um, step up or improvement in manufacturing operations. And that as well is, is, is enabled to the use of edge computing.
0: It really sounds like edge computing is powering really the future, it seems, of all kinds of industry.
3: It's very, very exciting. It it allows a platform for the next generation innovations to happen, and, and we're super excited about it.
0: As well you should be. Do you foresee a time where perhaps edge computing actually replaces cloud computing into tomorrow, if you will, or, or are they going to continue to work hand-in-hand, do you think?
3: I think they're going to coexist and work hand-in-hand. There's there's a lot of, of great benefits with the public cloud. There will continue to be great benefits. Anytime you need to be able to... Use massive uh, scale of compute and storage that's offered in these huge data centers. Um, the enterprises will benefit from placing applications or data in the public cloud, uh, but they'll also be able to to extend those applications or or applications that have that those those more demanding performance requirements into the into edge computing locations. So it's it's really complementing each other, uh, providing that innovation platform for uh, the future of, of technology and, and enterprise.
0: Well, it does sound exciting and certainly the kind of thing we'd love to follow up with you on as we progress, too. So uh, the you guys have a very brief video right at your website, which I'll give in a moment, about edge computing and near zero latency for next-gen apps. I mean, again, back to that whole speed issue and we want it all, we want it now. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> clever how uh, if we can get to near zero latency, I don't know that we'll ever have zero latency because... We have to react. <laughs> we have to push a button. We have to request something. But near zero is is got to be the next best thing.
3: Absolutely, it is the next best thing. Anything closer to those those digital interactions, those experiences, even at the millisecond level. Uh, you know, we we talk about five milliseconds as being uh, where we believe that um, that sweet spot is for edge computing, and we've mm-hmm. deployed uh, our edge computing platform throughout the U.S. to support that type of performance. Uh, and we believe it's, it's going to be critical to, to enterprises and for the consumer going forward, the experiences uh, they're able to uh, experience going forward.
0: Oh, for sure. And I know our audience is curious to learn more, so we invite you to visit Lumen, L-U-M-E-N, lumen.com slash edge. And Dave, we thank you very much for joining us from Lumen Technologies. Keep up the good work and keep getting us near zero latency and all the things we need to do.
3: Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's
0: my pleasure. I'm Dave Graveline, bringing you further into tomorrow. Stay tuned right here on the Advanced Media Network. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. <laughs>
1: It's the Into Tomorrow broadcast. Welcome back. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite Internet. Text RADIO to 35000 for more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000.
2: Jump aboard the time machine. You've got mail. Time to head into yesterday with This Week in Tech History. History, 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 history. history. Here's Chris.
1: This week, back in 1851, Dr. John Gorey of Apalachicola, Florida, was granted a patent for mechanical refrigeration.
3: Now here's something we hope you'll really like.
1: The official title on the patent calls it the Improved Process for the Artificial Production of Ice. Dr. Gory's basic principle is the one most often used in refrigeration today, namely cooling by the rapid expansion of gases. Before giving up his medical practice to pursue refrigeration, Gory's research involved the study of tropical diseases. His treatment was to cool the air around patients, which required lots of ice, in turn leading to his invention. So this was the rapid expansion of gases? Yes. Oh, oh wow. Not, not those gases. Oh,
0: oh, oh.
1: Also happening this week in the same year, in 1851, after learning the craft from his father, who had been an inventor and lockmaker, Linus Yale Jr. of Newport, New York, became well-known for his patent of the lock and key. Nerd alert! Yale would amass 20 different patents, including designs for locks, safes, and post office boxes. Many of Yale's inventions are still in use today, and if the name Yale sounds familiar, it should. The company he started 153 years ago in 1868 is still one of the top manufacturers of locks today.
2: Let's get nuts!
1: In 1949, this week, Electronic Delay Storage Automatic Calculator, or EDSAC, ran its first operation. EDSAC was installed on the campus of the University of Cambridge Mathematical Laboratory in the UK. EDSAC.
3: They have the internet on computers now.
1: Yeah. Uh, In 1961, astronaut Alan Shepard became the first U.S. space traveler as he rode a Redstone rocket on a 15-minute suborbital flight that took him and his Freedom 7 Mercury capsule 116.5 miles high and 302 miles downrange Cape Canaveral in Florida.
0: All systems are functioning within normal parameters.
1: In 1963, this week, the United States launched the Telstar-2 communications satellite. Developed by Bell Telephone Laboratories and jointly operated by AT&T and NASA, Telstar-2 transmitted the first public transatlantic broadcast. And this week in 2000, President Bill Clinton announced that accurate GPS access would no longer be restricted to the United States military. This gave rise to a brand-new recreational activity, geocaching. An interesting side note, while the GPS system is free to the public, it actually costs the U.S. government about $2 million per day to operate. I'll never forget when that happened, finally. We were
0: able to be on actual roadways, and I was actually on a roadway. uh, Back then, I was hosting a national TV show on the Outdoor Channel about competitive practical shooting. And I was going to yet another range in the middle of Florida somewhere, upstate, and it had me in a river alongside the roadway. And I went, well, that's not right. Well, that's because it would do that. It would shift dramatically, uh, considerably. And then I heard the news on the radio as I was driving, and I thought, well, that's going to be very helpful. And
1: fortunately, it was. Yes. That's our look back at this week in tech history brought to you by IFA in Berlin, the most significant trade show for consumer tech and home appliances. Get more info at ifa-berlin.com. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, we get it. Uh, Heather (laughs) in Idaho Falls, Idaho, is participating by clicking the Ask Dave microphone. We love you for that, Heather, at intotomorrow.com. Hey there.
3: I've recently switched internet services, which means I've had to switch my routers. And now my Chromebook won't print to my Epson 7700 Air
0: Printer. So any help with that would be great. Well, Heather, we'll do our best. Chromebooks, of course, print via a service called Google Cloud Print. Now, Google Cloud Print relies on two things. Number one, the printer being able to connect to the service. In your case, we know that it can if you used to be able to print. And number two, the Chromebook being set up to use the Google Cloud Print account. As long as the Chromebook can get online, it should still be able to
1: connect to the same Google Cloud Print account that you were using before. The most likely culprit is the printer. If your network's name or password changed, then the printer won't be able to connect to them and therefore won't be able to get online and reach Google Cloud Print servers. Uh, now, I'd start there. Check the printer settings and make sure it can still connect to the Internet. You may find that it's not connected and therefore can't be reached by the Chromebook. Yep. And it could be just hopefully that easy.
0: And if not, let us know. We'll do some more digging for you. But also let us know if that worked for you because
1: it should. Yeah, especially if you switched out your your routers, you know, and different providers, unless you have your own Wi-Fi access point set up mm. submitting out your own, you know, SSID, which is the name of your network, then that probably changed.
0: Yeah. Let us know what worked out for you, Heather. We're happy to help. Into tomorrow.com and we thank you, Heather, for using the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com.
2: Guys, stop putting your love life on hold. US Pharmacy has some exciting news. If you've been wanting to try Viagra or Cialis, now is the perfect time. Call today and receive 90 little blue or little yellow pills for only $119 with free shipping. Why order some low-dose sildenafil from one of those subscription services when we can give you what you want now? Call 888-856-8066 and we'll rush your order, discreetly packaged, to your door. Been thinking of trying something new to help your love life? Call U.S. Pharmacy at 1-888-856-8066 for as little as $119 for 90 pills. Need your package in a hurry? Call 888-856-8066 and ask about our express shipping option and we'll rush your order to you as soon as possible. Save money on this little blue or yellow pill you've been wanting to try. That's 888-856-8066. Again, 888-856-8066.
0: As Into Tomorrow continues, always reminding you to back up your important data frequently and check your spam filters regularly. You'll be surprised what important emails might end up in there. and You should whitelist them or mark them as not spam
1: or always allow grandma to email or what have you. Especially if you recently heard your call on the air. You'll want to make sure to check those spam filters if you haven't otherwise heard from our prize team. That's
0: very true because we get some people that say, "Yeah, I participated like six weeks ago and I never heard from anybody. And did you check your spam filter? Oh, there you are. Yeah. So
1: you never know. You have to be cautious. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Stream Guys, streaming media solutions for the smartest businesses on the internet. Visit StreamGuys.com. Laurie in White House, Texas, happened to also hit that Ask Dave
0: button at Intotomorrow.com. Hey Lori.
3: Some people say that just to replace after a decade on an electric car costs uh, cost up to twenty thousand dollars. And then also, what about a warranty? How long does a warranty last on those batteries?
0: Just checking. Good questions, though, Lori. The warranties really depend on the make and model. So be careful when you research them because they're not all the same, even if they look the same. For example, the Chevy Bolt Nissan
1: Leaf and the various Tesla models all come with an eight-year warranty. The Chevy and the Nissan models limit the warranty to 100,000 miles, and Tesla doesn't limit theirs based on miles, which on the surface sounds like a better deal. It's not, however, because Chevy and Nissan will replace the battery if it falls below a certain charge level, typically around 80% of the original charge, while Tesla won't. So an unlimited mile warranty that allows them to say, no, it's okay, it's not broken if it's running at 3% capacity, enjoy your 7-mile range, it's not very valuable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Doesn't make sense, but
0: they could conceivably do that. Yeah. So be cautious when you're doing uh, some research about that, but I'm glad that we hopefully opened uh, shed some light on the fact that you have to use caution on those things it'd just be a lot easier to just you know keep a gas-powered vehicle yeah it would be some people might say not as inexpensive as an electric vehicle after you've been able to afford to buy it well it's the same cost just with the electric vehicle you're spending that money up front true (laughs) and you can't go as far yeah because you're gonna have to charge up somewhere sometime somehow Uh (laughs) Good luck with that. When you participate, as Lori and others did, and we hear you on the show, you do win some terrific prizes. And we have to say no promises, no guarantees. But when you call in, mention two or three of the items that we are about to tell you about. And we'll do our best to get at
1: least one of them to you. What have we got this week? From Human Touch, we still got a few of those Reflex 5S foot and calf massagers.
0: And that's only because they provided more because we've had so many people asking for them. From SingSation, Performer Deluxe All-in-One Party Karaoke System, so you don't have to sing just in the shower. Benji Lock, we've got a couple left of their fingerprint padlocks. The key is at your fingertips. Oh, I love it. Skosh with Magic Mount Fresh Magnetic Phone Mount. And air fresheners. <laughs> so That's
1: pretty cool. LFO, we've got some Eclip baby car seat alarms.
0: Ah, that's very handy if you've got a baby or a toddler or know someone who does or a grandchild. You might want to ask for that. And from Viper, color OLED two-way security and remote start system. That alone is a $600 value. Participate, 800-899-INTO or use the INTO tomorrow app.